Hi guys, welcome to the Selling From Why podcast. I'm your host, Andrew James. And first things first, I want to apologize to the listeners for the long delay in a new release of the podcast series. I've had a couple of emails from some of my more avid listeners asking when the next one would be released. And I am apologizing. I know it's been a little bit of a long time since my last podcast. The good news is the book is officially here. It was released as of two or three days ago. I apologize because it did take a lot longer to get the final formatting and publishing done, but the book can now be purchased on Amazon as well as on Kindle. You can search on either of those two marketplaces. If you search Selling From Why, it will pop right up for you. Again, I apologize for the delay. Today's podcast is going to be all about sales process, and I know that we have covered in a fair amount of detail up to now the methodology and some of the approaches early on in sales meetings. And today we want to step back a little bit and talk more about the process as a whole, how it mirrors our sales methodology, and why the sales process is so important to the overall sales approach. How do we ensure engagement with our prospect as we move through the sales process? And what are some of the steps and some of the meetings that we can have that will ensure that we keep the prospect aligned with our goals and our agenda all the way through to the final meeting, our proposal? Again, this is Andrew James. This is the Selling From Why podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. So the first thing I want to cover in today's podcast is really what I mean by the term sales process. And while it may seem like it's an obvious answer that the sales process is any portion of the sales attempt or sales approach in which a person is meeting with the prospect or discussing aspects of the solution or services with the prospect, that is the correct answer, but there is a second answer to it. And that's what I term the internal sales process. Now an internal sales process is what the salesperson must go through internally with their PEO, specific to document collection, necessary approvals, pricing, any of those jobs or duties that a salesperson needs to perform internally within the PEO to ensure that all of their ducks are in a row, so to speak, as the external sales process continues to move forward. The reason why I talk about the two different sales processes is because it's important that the two align with one another. There is a necessity of time that I've spoken of in previous podcasts in which I address the need for an internal and external sales process to run jointly or to run concurrently between one another. And it's important that we understand that there's that that difference, that, that differentiator between the two processes. While the internal sales process is just as crucial as the external sales process, because of the differences between each individual PEO, smaller and larger ones, national and non-national PEOs, state-by-state specifics, I can't speak to all of those subtle nuances because realistically, they're all going to be different depending on the PEO you work for. There might be a fair number of commonalities, but there's plenty of differences between them. So what is more important is that we understand the external sales process as that is where the the core of this PEO conversation is going to take place. So let's start with why we need to understand our external sales process, or as I'm going to refer to it from here, just our sales process. As with the very title of our podcast, the title of the book, Selling From Why, it's important that we understand the question of why. Why do we need a sales process? And the first and the easiest answer is obviously due to the complexity of the sale. We've discussed 
countless times how complex the PEO sale process is. So it's important that we create a linear and a formulaic approach to our sale, one that can not only be mirrored and repeated on a regular basis, but also one that helps align to our methodology. And that's the next big answer as to why we need to have a sales process. When we talk about the methodology of our sales approach, we've discussed that we've moved away from talking about the traditional model or traditional approach to PEO sales, which starts with talking about what it is that the PEO does. And we've moved to the idea of talking about why there is a PEO. Why do we exist? Why are we here meeting with our prospect? And it's through that understanding of why, as I've said many, many times, we're creating alignment. And let me give a quick example of this in, in a way that I think might be easier to understand for most people. As a business owner, salespeople are showing up at the doorstep on a regular basis, whether that's knocking on the door, trying to drop in and meet with the business owner, uh, sending emails, connecting on LinkedIn, making phone calls. There, there's countless ways that the salesperson is attempting to get in front of a business owner. And that's not just for PEO, right? That's for everybody. As a business owner, they are inundated with sales attempts. And it's important that we understand that for most of the people that are showing up at the door, there's a lot of perceived similarity between ourselves and those other salespeople, especially in the world of HR outsourcing. Imagine that a payroll person, a broker, a HR outsourcing, a time and attendance individual is showing up at the doorstep of a business owner. If we are showing up in, in a similar fashion of talking about what we do as opposed to why we do it, we are going to sound so similar to those other salespeople. We just happen to have a bigger bag with more, more tricks up our sleeve, but the reality is that there's no real differentiation. So instead of showing up and talking about what we do, we're now showing up talking about why we're doing it. And that's a really, really important change that we've made. So through that why, through that discussion of why, we've actually created alignment. As we discussed in our uh, earlier podcast when we talked about the initial meeting, our conversation has now shifted to why we exist. And that why is for, to be a benefit to the small and mid-sized businesses across the United States. We're here for why, and through that why, we've created engagement, we've created alignment of our whys, but we haven't actually talked about what we do. And that was very, very intentional. The why is there to create an emotional attachment of the sales person and the prospect. In other words, the prospect has an emotional engagement or emotional attachment to what it is that we're selling. And as we go through our process, we're now going to begin to uncover how and what. And it's through that what that we create a logical attachment to the sale. And that's something that we're going to explore not only in this podcast, but also some later podcasts as we begin to really understand the idea of emotional versus logical sales. So again, the purpose of this sales process is to mirror that methodology of why, then how, then what. And by doing that, we're going to create emotional engagement and we're gonna hold off on the logical engagement of the prospect with the sale until a later point. And the reason for that is we want the logical engagement to occur at the same time that we're able to present an offer. And that obviously is occurring at the proposal. The other reason is that because we've shifted our initial meeting, our early conversations with our prospect away from what it is we do and positioned it more into why we exist, we have essentially eliminated any conversation about the details of the solution. 
And that's, again, intentional because the truth is we don't know what aspects of our solution, what services or, or what uh, pieces of the PEO are going to be specifically relevant to the prospect at this time. We only know that why we exist matters a great deal to a prospect who is struggling to manage the, the external market impacts and the internal employment impacts. We understand that how we do those things, in other words, cost containment, risk mitigation, and driving employee productivity is crucial to just about every single small and mid-sized business that's out there. So we've been able to create that alignment through the things that we know exist. What comes next is understanding which services specifically are going to be advantageous and beneficial and really tied directly into the goals and ambitions of our business. And that's the intention of our sales process. Again, mirroring our methodology of why, then how, then what. There is one other reason that we need to ensure a, a strong sales process. And that goes back to what I mentioned initially about the idea of an internal and external sales process. We need to ensure that our sales process externally is giving us the necessary time to meet all of our internal sales process or sales needs. In other words, we need to be able to use the time wisely as we are going through our internal sales process of gathering documentation, submitting underwriting requests, getting all the pricing approvals, arguing and discussing everything we need to do internally. We need to make sure that we're using our external sales process time wisely to ensure the best possible outcome. As we understand that the sales process mirrors our sales methodology, the next step is to think about what steps of our sales process are we going to use? What, what kind of meetings are we going to have or what are we gonna do in our sales process to ensure that we are following that same sales methodology? And this is where we start to get into the actual steps of the, the sales process for PEO. And these are what I also like to refer to as selling between events, SBEs selling between events. And what I mean by that is these are the steps in the sales process between the two major events of the sale. Those two major events, first is the initial meeting, and it concludes with the final event, which is the proposal. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't meetings before or after these two major events, right? We know that after a proposal, you can have pricing negotiation conversations. We know that you could potentially have a healthcare analysis conversation. There's a lot of different conversations that can occur outside of this primary process, but this is really the process that, that is most important, the, this, the events that are most important, that initial meeting and that proposal. So our sales process, is inclusive of those two, but really what we're focusing on today is the events that are occurring between the IM and the proposal, the SBE, selling between events. So there are three additional steps of the sales process between the initial meeting and the proposal. The first is the analysis, the second is the SME meeting or subject matter expert meeting, and the third is the demo. Now, we're going to discuss each one of those specifically so that you understand why we're using those meetings, what the intention of those meetings are, and really when you should be conducting those meetings. And what we're gonna learn is that it's really prospect specific, although as I mentioned with the initial meeting, your process tends to be pretty consistent. Regardless of the size of a prospect, regardless of their awareness of PEO or their understanding of PEO, even if it's true or untrue, the process remains relatively consistent. And again, there's a purpose to this, and it's because truthfully, regardless of how 
unique your PEO approach is or unique the prospect is, the process needs to remain consistent in order to ensure that we get all the correct answers for ourselves as well as all the correct answers for the prospect. That's what's going to make a truly customized proposal. And it's what's going to make sure that the information we present at our final event, the, the proposal, it is really aligned with the needs of the prospect, so we're having the right kind of conversation. There are far too many solutions, far too many services within PEO for us to just meet at the end of this 20 or 30 day time period, throw a bunch of things together and simply present them and hope for the best. We need to ensure that what we're presenting is accurate. And that really is, as I mentioned, the largest intent of the sales process. So let's evaluate each one of those SBEs, those selling between event meetings one by one. The first meeting I want to talk about then is the analysis, and this is an important meeting. There's one thing I want to add or one caveat I want to add to the idea of the analysis, and that is the idea that the analysis does not necessarily have to be one meeting. It can be several meetings. It can also just be that one meeting. It can be spread out across multiple meetings. It can be with multiple individuals, multiple locations. The analysis can be a step in the sales process that can be quite lengthy, or it can be very, very short. It, again, depends on the size of the prospect. It depends on what they're currently doing internally for their, their HR processes. So the analysis is where I want to start. The, the purpose of the analysis is to uncover the how and what of the prospect. And this is important. It is a very, very simple thing to say that we want to understand how they are currently managing their business and what services or solutions they already have in place. But that can be a very, very complex thing to understand. And there's a number of reasons for that. First off, your analysis meeting needs to help uncover the how and what not only of the existing business, but of the potential future business. In other words, if I have a 30 employee manufacturing company that is looking to expand into a new location, looking to expand into another state, looking to hire a great number of employees, my analysis doesn't need to simply discuss what it is that the company is doing today, but it also needs to understand what it is that the company intends to do about those goals that they have, about those big opportunities that they have before them. So my questions might not necessarily simply be around the current state of the business, but also what are the intended states of the business as it moves forward to accomplish these goals. By doing this, I'm going to learn what they're doing and how they're doing it uh, in regards to their current employment infrastructure, but also their potential future infrastructure. Now, the analysis may not be conducted with the business owner, especially if the business is large enough, the business owner may not necessarily be as heavily involved with the idea of HR infrastructure, employment infrastructure. And we may need to spend our time with other employees at the company. For instance, we might need to meet with the CFO, we might need to meet with a shop manager, we might need to meet with the office manager or an accounting manager or the HR person. There are a number of people we may need to meet with during our analysis in order to get all of the answers. But the best thing you can do is ask the business owner who's going to be involved in making these decisions, have conversations with those people, but also ask the business owner who's involved in aspects of employment infrastructure today. You wanna to spend time with those people learning about everything from pre-employment through post-termination. 
So what are some of the things that we're looking for during our analysis? Well, as I mentioned, we're looking for not only the existing state of the business, but also the potential future state of the business. But what are the details? What's the information that we want to find out there? And that's why the analysis can become such a large meeting or can be as convoluted as it is, because the information we're looking for during our analysis has to do with just about everything. As I mentioned, it's pre-employment through post-termination. I want to know how do they recruit employees today? How do they hire employees? Who's doing the hiring? How does the payroll get done? Who's handling the time and attendance? Who's doing the interviewing? When an employee has a question, who's the person that they're going to? How are they getting answers to that information? How many people are involved in the day-to-day -day processes of employment? What do they do for their healthcare program? How does it work? How are the employees feeling about their current healthcare program? What other benefits are they offering? Retirement programs. It is literally everything that you can think of in regards to the employment infrastructure of the business. We want to know all about it. We want to know if it's working, if it's not working. Now your questions here need to be pretty on target because if you simply ask a, a, a let's say the office manager, do you like the payroll program? How long does it take? Does it work well? You might get some fairly simple answers. So you really need to take the time to dig in. And the best example I can give of this is a company I met with not too long ago when I began asking them a little bit about their healthcare program. When I started talking to them about some of the specifics of their healthcare program, one of the first questions I asked was, do you like it? The answer was yes, we love it. Does it work? Yes, it works great. Now the truth is, is that the person I was asking, the office manager, really believed that the healthcare strategy and the healthcare program was incredibly effective, but it wasn't until I really began digging in that I learned that while they believed it was effective and they believed that it was a great program, the truth is, is that they had no comparison. Without knowing some of the realities of the healthcare program, without understanding some of the other options that were available to them, they weren't really able to help clarify whether or not they believed the healthcare program was effective. Once I began explaining the idea of having multiple healthcare programs with multiple tiers, with buy-up options, and the ability to really use the healthcare program to drive engagement of their employees, a whole new conversation came to light, at which point the office manager finally agreed, you know what, maybe we don't have the best healthcare program. So you're not just simply looking for the most direct answers, you might have to do a little bit of educating while you go through the analysis. Another big part of the analysis is making sure you understand soft costs and hard costs. And this will come into play later on when we discuss how to present pricing during the proposal. The idea of a soft cost and a hard cost, many of you listeners might be relatively familiar, but I'll just go through it to help out. Soft costs are costs that the company or the employer has that are not outsourced costs. In other words, the time, energy, efficiency, loss of efficiency, loss of time that occur by handling things internally. So for instance, a soft cost might be the amount of time that the office manager takes to do the payroll. A soft cost might be the amount of time it takes to manage the onboarding or offboarding of employees or handle paperwork related to HR or managing the feed, the carrier feed for the healthcare program. All of those times filter into what we refer to as soft costs, and they are substantial. Soft costs are a large part of what employers are going to potentially be dealing with when they handle a lot of their internal infrastructure by themselves. 
A hard cost is usually easier to identify because it is very simply a dollar amount defined by usually an external provider. So for instance, if you have a payroll system, if you have a HR system, if you have a time and attendance system, if you have a 401k provider, the costs of these services are the hard costs. During the analysis, it is imperative that the salesperson understands the soft and hard costs of the current approach to HR infrastructure, because that is going to play a very big role again as we present pricing during our proposal. I want to tell a quick story about a very effective analysis I did some years ago with a media company located here in the Midwest. When I came into the first meeting with this media company, I sat down with the president at the time who told me that they had just lost their second HR person and they were tired of losing their HR persons and they wanted to potentially look at an alternative solution for managing HR. The company was covered by a very, very large private equity firm and realistically the business owner and the president were responsible for growing their footprint. They were in 13 states. And because of that, there was some concern over this repeated loss of HR person because it meant that while the salespeople, the president and the owner needed to be out in the field managing this pretty aggressive expansion, the struggle was that if they couldn't keep HR going within their organization, they ran the risk of not only not being able to be effective, but potentially losing key employees in the long term. So when he first met with me, those were some of the conversations we discussed during our initial meeting. And I ran my initial meeting as I traditionally do, focusing on why we existed. I got collaboration or agreed upon collaboration to conduct an analysis meeting with the company and with, with some of the additional staff that might be uh, involved in the, the HR infrastructure of the organization. And from there, I spent about three or four days conducting an analysis with this organization. Now, while that's, that might seem extensive, I will say that this was about a 250 employee company at the time. So I was willing to spend some extra time with this organization, really trying to understand what was going on. And what I uncovered during those three days was pretty impactful to the organization. I was able to understand that the president, who wanted very, very little to do with HR, had handed off a great deal of, of the HR practices to the CFO. When I went and sat down with the CFO and started talking with him, he told me that he knew absolutely nothing about HR and had handed off most of the HR practices to the department heads. So I again continued down the, down the ladder and started meeting with the department heads. And what I found out was that there were countless areas within the organization that were large frustrations for the business, some that the president wasn't even aware of. They had 50% turnover in just one of their major internal sales departments that was being caused by a number of things, not to, least of which was their healthcare program. I was able to uncover that they had multiple competing technologies and systems that they were spending over $100,000 a year on each, and there was a considerable amount of redundancy in that they were both doing the exact same thing. There was a lot of problems within this organization, and during the course of my analysis, I met with not only the CFO, and not only the bookkeeper who was handling payroll, which was taking her two and a half days to do because she was covering 13 different states with no dedicated time system or way of managing the process of hour gathering 
And because of that, there had been multiple overpays, some people who weren't paid at all, employees that were hired that had never gone through I-9s or tax verifications. There was just a lot wrong with, with this situation. But I also had to meet with the different department heads, the VP of sales, the VP of operations, all in an effort to gather as much information as I could for this organization. Now, the value was that when I was finally able to sit back down with the president and explain some of the information I'd gathered, I had to be very careful, but I was able to present a lot of things that he was completely unaware of that were going on within his organization. And at the same time, because of the redundancies in technology that I was able to, to find out, we were a considerable savings. I think in the ballpark of about $80,000 a year in savings because of these redundancies. This is a little bit of an extreme case, but it does a good job of exemplifying the idea of why it is so important to spend time on an analysis. The more you understand about what's going on within the business, the more you understand about how their current operations are going, the more you're able to present real information back to the business owner when it comes to the proposal. So to follow up with the analysis, you get to the SME meeting, the subject matter expert meeting. And that's a, a pretty, pretty old sales term, SME, subject matter expert. But it is a very, very important step in the sales process, especially for a larger prospect. And again, we'll talk about why you want to have a SME meeting. As we mentioned, the goal of the initial meeting is to create engagement. Engagement is really the enthusiasm, the excitement that the prospect feels towards the sale. And it's measured through the emotional connection that that prospect has in the service or the solutions of the PEO without necessarily understanding what it is that the PEO does. And again, as I mentioned time and time again, that is absolutely intentional because we don't yet know what it is that we're going to do specifically for that prospect in order to ensure that we help them meet their goals or their, their needs. So the purpose of our process is to continue to maintain that emotional connection, that engagement the prospect feels while we begin to learn for ourselves the how and the what of the prospect. But it's also our ability to start introducing them to how and what. And that's where the SME meeting comes in. The SME meeting is a subject matter expert meeting that will occur usually after the initial analysis has been completed. And it's an, our first opportunity for the salesperson to introduce some element of what it is that we're going to do or how it is that we're going to be a solution for this prospect. This is not an opportunity to sell. It's not a proposal. It's just an opportunity to begin introducing our services. Now, a SME meeting can be any one of a number of things. It can be an HR expert within the PEO that you can bring on site to begin discussing some piece of, of human resources that are going to be beneficial for the prospect. It can be a 401k or a retirement person to begin discussing those services. It can be someone within the time and attendance solution, someone within the payroll division of the PEO. The important thing is that you find someone that is going to be able to introduce something that is important to the prospect. Now, it does not necessarily have to be with the business owner, although I would suggest that if the business owner is involved in the sale, you absolutely include them in this SME meeting. But this SME meeting might also be for the payroll person. It might be for the HR executive within an organization. It could be with the CFO if you have a retirement person coming in. It could be a lot of different people, but you want to make sure that you bring an expert to bear. And the reason, again, is because you're beginning to introduce the idea of what it is that we can do for this prospect. That is not only going to 
increase the engagement of the prospect as they begin to understand how and what it is that the PEO will do, but it is going to create what I call agreement. And agreement is the next step in the process. Agreement comes through understanding. Essentially, in the initial meeting, we're looking for an alignment that creates engagement that occurs through how, or excuse me, that occurs through why the PEO does what it does. And then we follow it up by learning enough about the business to be able to introduce our first subject matter expert in which the prospect will start to see some elements of how and what that they can agree with. They can agree that their retirement program is lacking. They've told us that in our during our analysis conversations and we brought in a retirement specialist who's going to talk all about the retirement solution of our PEO and that's important because the prospect generally is going to agree to that they're going to agree that this is a great opportunity now again we're not presenting the entire solution we're not presenting pricing we're simply giving them an opportunity to learn more about what it is the PEO does if you remember from our initial meeting we have a call to action at the end of our PEO story that requests a collaborative approach of mutual evaluation and understanding, and that's the beginning part of our SME meeting. This is where we're going to actually allow the prospect to begin evaluating our services and our solution to see if it does make sense. Now, the key here is we know it makes sense. We know that this SME meeting is going to be incredibly valuable because we've conducted an analysis. We now have begun learning some of the areas that are that the PEO is going to be a benefit for this business. We've begun connecting our dots from why we exist to what it is that we're going to do. Now we're going to begin presenting some of those what's to the prospect. Now it's important that we don't go too far down this path. We don't want to oversell our solution. We just want to start giving some appetizers to our solution. We want to start explaining a little bit of what some of the things that we can offer will be. This will, again, increase the excitement, increase the engagement of the prospect while beginning to give them an understanding of the services and solution. And that's, that understanding is going to create agreement and it's going to begin our logical connection to the sale. And that's very, very important. The SME meeting often occurs after the analysis, though if for some reason during your initial meeting you learn of something that's absolutely crucial and absolutely necessary early on, then you can always conduct a SME meeting prior to this. But the important thing is that the SME meeting be relevant and it be an expert witness to help testify to the validity of the PEO's services to the prospect. Last but not least is our demo meeting. And again, this is a meeting that is intended to help the prospect understand more about the services of the PEO to help understand that what of the PEO and is again going to increase the agreement or the level of logical connection that the prospect has with the services and solutions and partnership of PEO. A demo meeting is exactly what it sounds like. It's a demonstration of some aspect of the solution. Now, for many PEOs, especially your larger national PEOs, a demo meeting will often be technology related. And that's great because technology is one of the biggest cornerstones of all PEO services and solutions as it's intended to help improve the productivity of certain individuals within the organization, as well as cut down on the amount of time and energy that's being spent on non-revenue generating tasks. That's a big, big piece. So technology can absolutely be a demonstration. However, for some people involved in, or some salespeople in the smaller, more regional or local PEOs, there might not be a strong technology demonstration. So what would be an example of a demonstration or a demo meeting? Well, it can still be a number of things. 
For example, you might be able to introduce a hiring process or an onboarding process to the business that might help demonstrate the way that this could be simplified. You might be able to introduce the idea of a carrier feed or the solution around open enrollments and healthcare enrollment that would simplify that process. It does not have to be technology related. The demo is simply a demonstration or an opportunity to show specifically how the solution will work for that prospect. And this is again another very important meeting because it will further increase the agreement of the prospect in the solution and further allow them to create that logical connection with the, the partnership. And that's something, again, I want to explore as we, as we go a little bit deeper into this idea of sales process. But very importantly, the demonstration meeting or demo meeting does not need to be technology, but it does need to be an event where you show the prospect how the solution is going to fit into their business to be a benefit based on one of those three areas that we can improve, cost containment, reduced risk, or improve productivity of the workforce. I want to say one thing as we come to the end of these three different meeting types, and that is the idea of entrenching value within your meetings. There's a reason why the analysis is one of the first, or if not the first, selling between event meetings. And that's because it behooves us to understand what the needs or what the goals of the business might be first through our initial meeting, but then truly understand how and what they're doing today to help attempt to meet those goals. If we don't understand those things, we might make assumptions and we might begin moving through our sales process without enough real understanding of the prospect's goals, their current HR infrastructure, their current employment processes to make the demo and make this meeting truly valuable. That's why the analysis should be conducted initially. And it does behoove us as salespeople to better understand those goals and right out of the gate because that allows us to taper and, and tailor our conversations as we move through the process in the best possible way. Again, the goal of the IM is understanding why. The goal of the sales process is uncovering the prospects how and what so that when we do our final presentation, when we conduct our proposal, we are conducting a proposal that's completely specific to the needs of that prospect. Those are the goals. Now, Realistically, that means you need to have value in each one of those meetings. Absent of value or a reason for the meeting, one of the things that you're going to uncover is that your prospect is going to get tired of the process. If you're able to instill value in each one of those conversations, in each one of those selling between event meetings, you'll find that the prospect's engagement increases, not decreases. And what happens is you'll have a very emotionally attached prospect by the time you get to the proposal and that's exactly what we want. We want to time our logical connection and emotional connection of the sale to the final meeting, that proposal, because it is at that point that we can actually offer a price. We can actually put a contract in place. We can say we're ready to go. If we were to create an emotional and logical connection too early in our sales process, we might allow it to fizzle out before we get to a point where we can actually present the pricing. So for instance, imagine I was to go into my initial meeting and I began discussing at that point all of the exciting things that healthcare could do. Our healthcare solution is going to help save some money, improperly used term, but we'll use it here for a second. It's going to streamline the onboarding of employees onto their, the healthcare program. It's going to allow open enrollment to be very simple. It's going to create a carrier feed that stops all that 
frustrating work each month of, of checking the invoice. It's going to make sure that the employees have the best possible healthcare options and FSA and HSA. We get the business owner excited. Now he's created an emotional attachment potentially because we've hit on some areas of his business need that he finds very valuable, especially if we're able to tie that back to the relevance of him of his business growing or, or succeeding more. But we've also covered what we do at that point. Now this is the improper way to manage an initial meeting. We've now covered not only why we do it, but what we're doing. What happens next? Well, what happens next is we spend the next 30 days gathering documents, fighting for approvals, and hoping desperately that we can come up with the right price in order to present that final solution. The problem is, is that the emotional and logical connection of the prospect to the sale has occurred all the way back at that initial meeting. It's no longer a logical and emotional connection 30 days later when we show up with the numbers. We have really sold them too early in the process. What we want to do is we want to get that engagement right out of the gate with that initial meeting. We want to further enhance that engagement and understanding through the sales process and we want that final logical connection of truly understanding the subtleties and the details of the partnership to occur at the final point when we're able to present pricing because it's at that point where engagement is the highest it's at that point where alignment is the highest where the prospect has been excited to see this, this solution in action. They're excited about the partnership. They finally understand all the details and then we present them with the pricing. The problem with the traditional sales methodology of presenting what too early on in the sales process is that the prospect gets excited about something and then waits 30 days or potentially even longer to ever see a price, at which point they're no longer excited, they're no longer engaged, and they no longer have any emotional connection with the sale. And that's what's incredibly important. So I hope that this has been a helpful podcast. I understand that this is a lot of information to, to go through all in, in one sitting. That's why obviously I encourage all of you to go out and, and buy my book as it does do a greater job of going into detail in regards to how this process works, what the details of the process are. Uh, but this is a, a good, at least cursory understanding of the sales process, beginning with the initial meeting, ending with the proposal, conducting an analysis to learn more about the, the needs and, and how the business is doing some of the things they're doing, what their internal infrastructure looks like, and then using that information to create agreement with the prospect by introducing them to some subject matter experts and demonstrating the capabilities of the system or of the PEO to that prospect before we conclude with our final proposal where we put everything together and really give them a great understanding of our solution, our services, our products specific to their needs and their goals. So I hope this has done a good job of, of at least outlining the majority of that information. As I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I do apologize for the long delay between episodes uh, with the book finally published and, and out. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to be a bit more committed to the podcast series. And I do look forward to any questions or any thoughts you have. Feel free to reach out to me on email. And once again, thanks for listening to Selling From Why. This is Andrew James.